I'm honored to be here. But that that was amazing. Yeah. You know, the whole worship just took me to the thought process, that and the message that that I believe that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart for this morning. And every one of us in here is in a bind. Every one of us is in a jam. Just like the Israelites when they went to the edge of the Red Sea, the Egyptians were behind them. The only way out was devastation. The only way out was death and a miserable one. And so it is for each and every one of us in here, except for one, one way, and that's through Christ. That's our only hope, that same Jesus that they were just singing about. And uh, that's amazing. There's one door that works. And uh, this morning, I, I, I got a message that, that, I want, that I hope will help connect all of us to that door a little closer and some of you aren't there yet, and and I hope that today will make that connection for you. And uh, the the word, you know, in 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 the Bible, there's a lot of words that we don't fully understand. And we've we I've I have this in my heart to really explore those words so we have a better understanding of them. And matter of fact, I had one this week come up, and in and it was religion, and I have many times proclaimed that I am not religious. I am faithful, but I'm not religious. Well, on this Facebook deal, it pulls up the meaning of it, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I am religious. It proclaims that, in fact, I do believe in the deity of God. I'm like, well, I had the wrong meaning for the word all this time. All this time, I have misquoted it. I, in fact, am religious. So... The word today that I want to explore, and we've been leading up to it for the last three weeks. The first week was about the church and who we are and what we're called from and to. And, and the next week, last week, was about sin and, and really exploring what we're born into and who we are and how we miss it just in our own self, and we're going to miss it. Today, the word that's used throughout the Bible from front to back is repentance. Jesus' message, once he started preaching, he had one message. And, and that message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So this one message of repentance, repent of your sins, we did this Sin is anything, sin is missing the mark. We really did, a, I, thought, I think we did a great job of getting around some of the ways that we sinned last week. But, but when you get down to it and you explore the meaning, uh, one of the meanings, a great one, is, is missing the mark. And back in the, in the day, they had the target, and you either hit the target or you missed. And if you missed, it was sin. There's Jesus or there's sin. There isn't anything else. Just like every one of us is in a jam. We're either going to go to eternity with Jesus or we're missing it. That's it. So today we're going to talk about the process to get from sin to him. And that's, that's this word, repentance. And so I want to, I got a couple of stories about it. And, and if you Google up, 
if you Google up repentance, there's three things that come up. One of them is remorseful, feeling bad about what you've done. The other one, the other one in repentance is a change of direction. And then you get to the third and the oldest, and I believe the most pertinent is a change of mind or renewing of the mind. I think they all got to come together, but they come in a little different order than the way you Google them up. I think, I think first comes we realize who we are, what we've done, how we're not getting it done on our own. And then we start turning our mind. We literally surrender our mind to him. The biggest problem that anybody here has is between their ears. Once we surrender that to him, the direction changes so often. And the reason that I'm making such a big point of that is because if we just change the direction without changing our mind, if we don't get our focus on him and let him alter our thinking, change how we think, how we are, and who we are, the change of our direction don't much matter. I had a horse that was born to me. I'd, we raised it. I, we had a really nice mare, and we were proud of her. She'd won quite a little, and, and she was, confirmation was great. And, and uh, we couldn't afford a lot of horses, but this one mare we had, and she, she was a good one. And I had an opportunity to breed that mare to a stallion that had won 220000 in the cutting pen, and he himself was a great individual. And so we got the opportunity to breed that mare to, to this stud, and we got this baby colt, and he was cute in every way. He was he, confirmation was great when he was born. This little boy come along and seen him, and he's like, "Oh man, he looks like a gun. You got to name him." And this boy's about five years old. You got to name him Six Caliber. I said, "You mean Six Shooter?" He's like, "Nope, Six Caliber." I'm like, "Okay, Six Caliber it is." So we have a lot of expectations for Six Caliber through and. And he gets to be a yearling, and he still looks great. And I get him hauled or broke, and he's no big problems. And left him a little stud because I was so proud of him. And when he's two-year-old, I start riding him. And about the third ride, I pushed him further than he thought he should be pushed. And he throws himself a fit that day. And he's bucking around this little pen, not very good at it at this point. And I spank him a little bit, and he gets a little better at it. And... <laughs> So while all of this is happening, I am completely unconcerned. This has happened many times before, you know, and I think, well, this will, this too in time shall pass. It didn't. I'm going to tell you that he just got better and better at it. And a few months later, I've got him working a cow, and he'll sloop around real nice, you know, and does all the stuff that I want him to do, except for he bucks every single time I get on him. And he's gotten really good at it. i got to cheat around to make sure that he don't get me, you know. This goes on, and pretty soon he's a four-year-old. And I've got to, I put a big old bridle on him, and I, I kind of rip his head around a little bit before I do anything, making sure that I got him under the thumb, or he's going to get me by this point in time. Eventually, when he's a five-year-old, a young man come along, and I said, I get, and he's a punchy guy, and I knew he didn't have much money, and, and uh, he was looking for a horse. I said, I got one for you. 
So I went and I worked a cow on him, and I showed him that horse on a cow, and he's like, whack, 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 whack. Then I run him down that pen, and I stopped him, and like, turned him around, run him other way. He said, what would you take for him? I said, you know what? With his head's cut off, he's worth 300 bucks. I'll take 250 right now. <laughs> he's like, you're kidding. What's wrong with him? And I told him the whole story. He gave me a $200 saddle and a hot check, and um, <laughs> I never even chased him down. I was so glad that I didn't have to worry about my life getting on that horse anymore. That horse's direction, I could change that horse's direction every single day, but I never had his mind. He never one time submitted his mind to me. He was always, and as soon as something would happen, he would revert back to the way that he wanted to be. And it kept him from being a valuable asset in my life. And those of us in here, if we're trying to get there by what we do, it ain't going to happen. We have got to get there by surrendering our mind to him. That is the avenue. And so I want to back that up with Scripture. We're going to go, we're going to dig in here. We're going to start with the third chapter of John. We're going to go from there into the 12th chapter of Romans. From there, we're going to go to the second chapter of Corinthians. So if you got your word, like I said last week, my job, I'm the interim guy. So my job is to take you from where you were to where you're going. I believe it's a full-time guy's job too, but that's definitely my position in all this. So, you ain't never going to get to where you need to go if you don't have an understanding of this thing right here. It's just not going to happen. So, I want, I'm asking you to start getting comfortable finding your way around the in air while we're in service, and then we get home, dig around in there some. Find out, you'll be amazed what God will show you through His living Word. But we're going to start with John. We're going to go to Romans 12. Then from there, we're going to go 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter. And then back to John 22nd chapter. But right now, let's go to John 3. And we're all familiar with this set of verses. But I, I just want to back up what I'm telling you. Right in the beginning of John 3, so there, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish, lead, Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, it's kind of interesting, he slipped around to Jesus when nobody was watching here. He says, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He's rabbi or teacher. He said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus responds to this, and he says this. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, explained Nicodemus? How can an old man become into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. 
before we go forward, this birth that he's talking about here, the labor of that is repentance. Repentance is the, is the process of being born from who we are, were to who we are to be. We're from born to the process of being born again is repentance. We are, we are born into this world and we are repented into being his creation, who he created us to be. So that's the process. And so we're going to, we're going to explore that even more. Um, <clears throat> as we are born again, as we have repented to be born again, the, bl- the wind blows, it says this, and this is really interesting, and I think this is intricate for later on in this message, and certainly in your Christian walk. It says this, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going to, so you can't explain how the people are born of the Spirit. It's difficult to, to fully understand this process, but I'm going to do the best I can to explain to you, but also... Just like this, the wind, we are, it's going to be just as unknown, our process. Once, once we are born again in Him fully, once we have repented, once we have surrendered our mind to Him, once we have given up our most valuable possession to Him, to use as He will, life is going to make a lot less sense than we thought it did in a way the all the plans that we had he's going to change those a little bit he's going to ask us into stuff we're like there's no way i can do that on my own he's like yeah i know this is bigger than i am it's like exactly takes more power than i got you got it now but i'm willing because i submit my mind and that my body shall follow Turn with me now to Romans. I think in the whole Bible, I love this description of repentance better than any other. Romans 12. <clears throat> it doesn't even mention the word repentance, but I, I believe with my whole heart that this describes it. I love that sound, the pages turning. That means stuff's happening. Romans 12. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. You're like, wait a minute. You said about to mind. I know we're getting there. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy, separate, different than the life we are born into, sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You're like, okay, so how do we get here? Now here's the birthing process. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If you try to become a new person in your own power, you're going to run out of that power. You're going to run out of that resources. It's a whole lot like dieting. It works really good until there's pie. (laughs) Same deal. So here we are today repentance we we can try 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 but we are not going to be able to accomplish it 
if we don't first surrender our mind to Him. And as we go further forward, <clears throat> I want you to start to ask yourself, of all the things I've given you, Lord, have I given you my mind? Have I surrendered that yet to you? Most of us, the answer is kind of. Isn't it? But we are not going to get where he is calling us to be. We're not going to be fully born until we get this right. Until it's like, okay, God. I'm going to tell you right now, John Paul could not stand before you in his own power. Uh, by my merit, I should have been disqualified long ago. I certainly do not deserve to be standing before you telling you the truth. He would pick somebody that come righteous if we did it in our... But by his power and by his righteousness and by his grace and by the message he laid in me and by, by the confidence I have in the Holy Spirit, suddenly I am qualified to tell you the truth. It's crazy. But it's the only way. And so it is for you. Each and every one of you has a special calling in your life that God not only created you to do, but there's others that depend on you to get it right. And the only way you're going to get there is if you submit your mind to him fully. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Absolutely. I want to keep reading just a little bit more. Don't copy the behaviors and custom of this, customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. I find this so interesting. Then you will learn. It's a process. He don't say then you will know. He said then you will learn to know God's will for you. Then you will start down this path of getting it. which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourselves better than you really are. Be honest in it. I hate this part right here. I really do. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just to, and here's the most important part and why I'm going this far. Verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, us, the church. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And he wants to use us doing those things. And the only way we're going to get there is if we surrender our mind to him. Turn with me again to 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter. And then we'll rush back to 22nd chapter of John. We're going to go right to the end of it, 16th verse. When, as you're turning, I think of things, you know, there's all kinds of ways to surrender. And you just got to have... As we get into it, it don't always make sense. Crazy stuff happens, and you're like, okay. I don't have the deal. Last night, the, uh, through, the, through the 
through the park was a, with the Christmas lights. The, the wagon was there, and I brought my family down to do it. I have never been around a team before in my life. I've been around horses my whole life, but I've never been around a team. So when we get there, Mark said, I called him. I told him we were coming, and he's like, oh, that'd be great. I could probably use a little help when you get there. I thought he meant unloading the horses or something, really. <laughs> so <laughs> he gets there. He's like, get on up there. I'm like, okay, and he's talking me through that, and I'm really not getting what he's driving at. And uh, he gets up beside me, and he starts teaching me how to drive these horses. And we go, and I'm going to tell you it was probably a minute, maybe a minute, 30-second lesson. <laughs> we go out in the back. We turn it around. He's like, I'm going to pizza with my family. I don't even know where we're supposed to go in this thing. L- Lori's like, don't you think you should go with him on the first trip? He's like, ah, oh, he'd be all right. He's a horse guy from way back. <laughs> but I'm like, well, he thinks I can do it, so I surely can do it. And I did. I had a ball. And many times that's the way it is. It don't make a lot of sense. It didn't make sense to Lori or I for a little bit. We're going down the road in the wagon, and Angie's sitting there beside me, and I asked the people in the wagon, I said, have you ever been in this thing before? They're sa- they say, oh, yeah, a few times. I'm like, you got more experience than I do. <laughs> I said, I had about a minute lesson back then. And Angie says, you mean just today, not in your life. I'm like, oh, no, total. <laughs> but in our walk with Christ, it's often like that. He's going to call us to do more than we think we can do. So turn with me to the 16th verse of 2 Corinthians. uh, Third chapter of 2 Corinthians. Man, that rustle of pages is an awesome sound. But whenever someone turns to the Lord... I want to parentheses. You know, Joyce Myers does that where she amplified. Let's amplify this just for a second. So whenever somebody surrenders their mind to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 17. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Who don't want freedom? We all, we're all in a bind. We, we explored that before we even got started today. Every one of us is in a jam. Who don't want to be free to that? For the Lord is spirit, and where the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had this veil removed, how did we get it removed? By surrendering our mind. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. We can't change ourselves into his image. We can work our tail off and we'll be a lot like old six caliber. As soon as something bumps us, we go back to the way we want to be. And it don't work out. And eventually, somebody's going to cut our head off. I mean, really. And eventually, it ain't going to work out. We're going to run out of room. 
But through the surrendering of our mind, he changes us. He alters us. And along the way, we become more and more like him. We become changed into his glorious image, which is amazing. It is a miracle. And it cannot happen any other way. So in, as I get ready to close, I want you to turn with me to the 22nd chapter of John. And I want to tell you one more story here. And we've all heard it. I'll bet everybody in here has heard it. But it came to me in the middle of the night and I see it in a completely different way than I ever saw it before. And so we're going to go to John 22, 21, 21, 21, 15. And this is, this is happening after, after Christ come back. And the people that, the guys that were with him, the disciples, it was a really confusing time. They were with him. Things turned out completely different. They never imagined that it would go, that he would be accused of and persecuted and have the brutal death that he had. They never imagined that they would bail out on him right when he needed them the most. They never imagined that what they had banked all of their hope on would be gone after a couple of brutal days. And then in their despair, when they're at the, they're at the edge of the water, the Red Sea, there's nowhere to go, surely only no hope, only destruction, the living God shows up and parts the water. He comes back. Now, they don't know what to do with all of that. They're, it's amazing that he's here. What are we to do? Where are we to go? How are we to deal with this? Peter does what he knows how to do. He goes back to fishing. That's where he came from. That's what he's doing. He's like, I don't know. I got to work on this thing. I'm... You guys come along if you want to. I'm going fishing. While he's fishing, the living God shows up on the shore there, and he's Jesus like, "Hey, why don't you? How's it going?" They're like, "Terrible, no good." Throw the net over the other side. They do. We know the story. They come back more fish than the net can hold, but it don't break, and they figure it out. That's him. And Peter does something else amazing right there. He's like, I don't care what you guys do. Keep fishing if you want to. I'm going to him. Right then and there, he's like, fish, boat, you guys, it don't matter to me. I just want to be where he is. And he jumps in and he swims there. They get the boat, the fish to him. He does the oddest thing. He just starts fellowshipping with him. He cooks some breakfast. So while all of this is happening... And Jesus don't do anything part way or by accident. All of this is happening. Breakfast is being served. And there's this monologue between Jesus and Peter. And I believe there's this monologue this morning between the Holy Spirit and you that's going to go something similar. And so I'm asking you these questions. He's asking you. Doesn't matter what I ask you. He's asking you. 21.15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Do you love me more than you love these guys? Do you love me more than these guys love me? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than these? Peter's like, yes, Lord. You know I love you. The whole time thinking, you know, the last time I was brought a question like this, I said, oh, yeah, you know, you know me, I'm Peter, I'll die for you. And he's like, before we have breakfast tomorrow, you'll deny me three times. You're going to stumble. It had to be in his mind right here. It had to be in Christ's mind as he was asking it. It's in ours, too. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm going to I'm going to surrender my mind. But the last times before breakfast was served, I messed it up again. And he says this, said, OK, feed my lambs, take care of my people. And then Jesus repeated the question, verse 16. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, are you really ready to surrender your mind to me this time? All of it. Are you here today? Are you really ready to give it all up? Are you going to surrender your whole mind to him this time? Am I, John Paul, as I stand before you, going to those places that I saved back that I make a mess of still today, am I going to quit doing that and am I just going to let you manage that from here on out? Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Okay, I think I can do it. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of God, son of John, do you love me? Have you surrendered your mind to me now once and for all? Peter was hurt. I suppose he was hurt because of the truth of the question. We all get like that, you know, when it gets right down to it and it's true. Yeah. Uh, I wish they'd quit asking that. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. You know that I am ready. So I'm asking you, are you ready? As I've went through this, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I tell you the truth, and this is the thing right here. I'm not telling you that being ready is going to make it's all your life is not going to make more sense sometimes. <clears throat> it's not going to be easier. It's just not. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to be richer or prettier or more successful because you submit your mind fully to the living God in worldly ways. Chances are it won't go that way. I'm not telling you to be less either. What I'm telling you is that you're going to get to make an eternal difference in this life. You're going to impact eternal creation, eternal people, 
in eternal ways, and it's going to matter. It's going to matter for now and for all time. I'm not telling you it's going to be easier. It isn't easier. The world's going to understand you less, but they're going to need you more. And he created you with a special gift to do this. And to back it up, he goes on, he says, I tell you the truth, this is Peter's journey. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked, which is every one of us here, we did it how we wanted to. Just like that young horse, he did how he wanted to, and eventually it didn't turn out right for him. So I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked, you dressed yourself, you went wherever you wanted to go, but now, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus told him this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God with. Then Jesus told him, follow me. It's worth it, son. Bow your heads with me right now, would you? I want to get really personal with you. I don't do this often. Not at this level. But we've been building for this for weeks. You have been building this for your whole life. Has prepared you to be here today. And I'm asking you this question. The Holy Spirit through me. Are you ready to surrender to Him? Are you ready to let Him have it? All of it. Your most valuable possession is between your ears. The place that gets you in the most trouble is between your ears. Are you willing to let him have it this morning? Knowing the journey may not be easier. Probably won't be. Oh, Father, we come to you right now. We ask you to forgive us for the places we have failed you multiple times. Every one of us in here, many, many times we have stubbed our toe. And we are not worthy to stand in your presence right now. And yet, you did all you did. You put that blood on the cross so we could be here. And as we stand before you, we give you our mind. And I pray that each and every person right now that's in agreement with this, I, I just ask you to go ahead and raise your hand and say, I am in on this. I am giving you my mind. I'm giving you all my mind. And if they're not ready, if you're not ready, Father, I pray that you would get us ready fully give you our mind so that our path would be yours it would make sense this life this life would be worth it this life would make eternal differences for us and for all we touch because we give you our mind father thank you for loving us thank you for forgiving us thank you for telling us the truth even though it was hard to take I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Um, we got uh, the prayer list, too. I had a, on a, I got a, a text this morning from Russell and Linda Miller, and they're both doing better. Linda wasn't quite ready to come yet, um, but but phenomenally better. God's answering prayer, uh, and uh, I don't know if I know too much more on the list of of the situations, um, but I do want did want to share that one. Pray with me one more time over these prayer requests. And each of you that has a, if you've got one, send it in. Right now we will include those prayer requests that are in you, that are unspoken. This is our people. This is our family. This is our responsibility to stand in these gaps. Father, we come to you and we ask for miracles. Miracles upon miracles. Father, every one of these situations is serious. And they are hard to take. And we can't fix them. But you promise us in your word so many things. And we know that the one that I want to lean on right now is that your promise is that, that you came to give us life and give it more abundantly. And so, Father, I would proclaim that for each and every one of these requests on the board and each and every request inside of us throughout this crowd that you would give a, that you would perform a miracle and sh- and give us healthy bodies and clear mind to receive this life this abundant life that you've promised for us father i praise you for this i praise you for this church body i praise you for the work that we're doing here i pray that as we leave here all that we say and do would glorify you and advance the kingdom And I thank you for the privilege of standing before you, guilty but cleansed by your blood. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.